0: This episode of on the beat is brought to you by Ingles. shop online with Ingalls curbside pickup new curbside stores opening every week, please welcome Mike
1: Griffith. Well, hey everybody Mike Griffith here and welcome to tonight's Ingalls on the beat show really looking forward to visiting with you talking Georgia football uh, I've been on assignment at Auburn still at Auburn today. For the Brian Harson Media Conferences, we look to get ahead on the Georgia Bulldogs next game against the Auburn Tigers. But first, let's talk about last Saturday night's game uh, in Columbia, Missouri. Now, I know that 26-22 is not what Georgia Bulldogs want to see. I know that's not what's going to make Kirby Smart happy. I know the fans are not pleased. Uh, they fell from number one in the rankings from one to two in the AP and Coaches poll. But I'm going to tell you what, I I think this is a good thing. And I'm going to tell you why this game being the way it was is a good thing. When you come from 10 points down in the fourth quarter and 10 points down at halftime and you're in an adverse situation together as a team, you find out who your leaders are. That is a chance for your leadership to emerge, for guys to step up and. And other guys see who's going to make those key plays. Who do the coaches go to? When it's fourth and two at the goal line, you can do a lot of different things. Are you going to Brock Bowers? Is Stetson Bennett keeping it? Who are you handing it off to? They go to Kenny McIntosh. And the fact that Kenny McIntosh converted that fourth and two, that's a big play. That earns confidence, right? That earns credibility. It's big for Kenny to know that his, that his teammates are going to help him execute. It's good for the coaches to know. Right. Just like Stetson Bennett, touchdown drives. The last two drives of the game had to have touchdowns. Stetson avoided the turnover and was able to help get them in the right place and made the good throws. Now, why didn't we see that for three and a half quarters? Kirby Smart says, you know, that's a problem. The offense did sputter. There were some things that were identifiable that they're going to need to work on more physicality on the offensive line. But Kirby said, now wait a minute. Some of this is on us as coaches, right? that Georgia wasn't prepared as well as they should have been in some respects. And Kirby said some of that's on him, some of that's on Todd Munkin. And yes, that's in some throws too. So it was kind of an ugly game in many respects. But the fact that Georgia was able to respond like champions in the fourth quarter, I think is the sort of growth that you need when you've got some young guys who had not been in that situation before. As Kirby said, the South Carolina game didn't really – Didn't really count because of the way Georgia got out of the gate so fast, 14-0, 21-0. That crowd never really got into it. This was a real honest-to-goodness road environment in the SEC, a lot of pressure, down 10, fourth quarter, fourth down plays. I mean, Georgia Bulldogs' backs were to the wall, and they avoided what would have been a monstrous upset in a very dark night. Instead, you say, wow, close call. Everybody learns from it. And everybody, I think, improves. They get better and they gain more confidence. They come together. You know, one of the things from uh, the the military training I had, you know, those adverse situations that they put us in during our training is what gave us the confidence to think that we would be able to carry this out, uh, you know, under different circumstances. And certainly in football, like anything else, the more times you've done something, The more confidence that you gain in yourself and the people around you that you need to work with to be successful. So in a lot of ways, you saw a young and inexperienced team, in, in many respects, grow up right before your eyes. They will have more confidence, more preparedness if they face that situation again. So that was the positive. That was the silver lining. Now, There's some injury concerns, okay? Jalen Carter, the preseason All-American with the MCL. Some people thought it was a chop block, but Kirby said, you know, a lot of programs use that sort of blocking. Uh, He talked to the officials about it. The officials made their call. Uh, But here nor there, Jalen had been playing with a foot and an ankle, and now the MCL. Kirby says probably out one, two weeks my thought is, you know, this is a kid from Florida. I think they're probably going to hope he gets back for that Florida game. That's going to be important. In the meantime, Zion and Nazir Stackhouse, Barry Alexander, these guys are going to have to step up in the interior defensive line. Warren Brinson went down with a groin injury. Maybe he'll be able to play with that uh, next week, but Kirby did mention that after the game Saturday. So the interior defensive line, kind of a a blinking light there as far as can they get this together. Georgia has fallen outside the top 10 in run defense. The last three years, they ranked two last year. The years before that, number one in run defense and number one in run defense in 2019 and 2020. So that is an area to watch. Also, when your defensive line isn't as dominant as it's been, it makes it tougher on your linebackers. They don't get as clean of angles. They're not as effective as maybe we've seen because the defensive front is not taking care of business. So this does affect Jamon Dumas-Johnson, Robert Beal. Kirby, by the way, said that Smile Munden had an ankle return to the game, expects him to be back. That's your other inside linebacker next to Jamon Dumas-Johnson. And and JDJ, one of the guys I was excited about in the offseason, and still excited about he's really emerging as a leader. You hear that confident tone that he brings. You see him on the sidelines firing guys up. This is exactly what Georgia football needs, Jamon Dumas Johnson. So very impressed with that young man. In the secondary, uh, Malachi Stars continue to make plays. He had a couple breakdowns, but made some plays too. Uh, Kamari Lassiter, good in the run game, some breakdowns in the secondary. Tough night for Keely Ringo with a pass interference, beat deep. That's going to happen when you play the sort of defense that Georgia plays. The key is you've got to recover mentally. If you're a cornerback, they like to consider themselves the gunfighters, right? They know every snap. They're going one-on-one. They can be exposed at any time. It's a tough position. you got to have a short memory. Keely Ringo is a mentally tough kid. He will bounce back. So. Those are my thoughts on that. Offensively, I, I mentioned Kenny McIntosh's run. We saw Dejon Edwards kind of take the wind out of the sails for Missouri, uh, running that clock out. So Missouri did not get the ball back late. That was big. Everybody in the stadium knows George is running, and they're still able to run into that stacked box. They finally wore Missouri down in the fourth quarter. The line deserves credit for that, and so does Dejon Edwards. Uh pass game, Brock Bowers, you know, what he had five or six catches, leading receiver, uh, set up the game winning touchdown with that throw, took 12 yards to the one yard line, set up Day uh game winning score. So Brock Bowers is still doing Brock Bowers thing. I think we're seeing Darnell Washington emerge, do even more, even better. Kirby is really proud of this guy, grown up in so many respects, in so much better shape, so athletic. Don't be surprised if Darnell Washington doesn't work his way up towards that first round. I mean, you just don't see 6'7", 280 that run and can do the athletic things that he can do in the open field and catch and also knock people down at the line of scrimmage. And as Kirby said in the locker room, Darnell saying, hey, run behind me. He wants to run block for his teammates. So this is an emerging star. And uh, and they need one. They need more guys to emerge. They lost a lot. You know, a lot of people shrug, but 15 guys to the NFL, 13 transfers. You really got to kind of reinvigorate uh, your infrastructure, and it takes special players to become those pillars. Uh, Stetson Bennett. He'll look to improve this week. Stetson said he didn't have a good game, missed some throws, uh, some decisions and reads. These are things he can learn from too. Remember, this is his first year that he's been the starter year-round. Now he is. Uh, 19, 2021 20, starts in, so I think you you're gonna see him turn that corner. is gonna need him too. They're gonna need good play at quarterback if they're gonna get through the schedule. Okay, and you're, you can't have too many more of these off nights on a night where other things are going wrong. So very important uh, this Stetson continues to improve. Um, you know he, he's got some lessons to learn. Special teams is taking care of business. You, you got no complaints with Thorson or Podlesny. Man, Jack Podlesny has been clutch with these field goals. Uh, So big. Georgia has not been as efficient scoring touchdowns in the red zone as they would like. Thank goodness, Jack Lesney has had an incredible year. He was also named the special teams player of the week uh, this week in the SEC. Now, looking ahead, uh, I was at the Auburn LSU game. I'm going to tell you, I I know that that Auburn appears to be staggered. The coach appears to be on the way out. But I'm sitting there uh, in Jordan Hare Stadium Saturday night. You know, one eye on the Georgia game, obviously, but. I look up, it's 17-0, to zero and and Auburn's got 240-some yards, and, and LSU's got 80-some, and Auburn's got the ball. And I'm thinking they are in complete control. I don't know what's happened against Penn State or some of these other teams, but they're kicking LSU pretty good in the first half. And LSU's a pretty good football team, as we know. So this team is capable at Auburn. Can they put it together? I'm not sure. We're going to talk to Jeremy Pruitt about that the second half of the show, but I felt some um, – some positivity that first half. I don't know how the team's going to respond coming to Georgia. Is the road team in front of a sold-out crowd with a national television audience? I don't know what all what uh, Auburn's going to do. I have a pretty good idea what Georgia's going to do based on having covered this team five years now, uh, knowing how confident uh, Kirby Smart is in his team, uh, having seen how resilient Stetson Bennett is, uh, knowing what kind of talent you've got on defense. I I think you're in for a whale of a football game. going to be interesting. The separation Saturday, uh, LSU-Tennessee, this is a big game. Brian Kelly really trying to move the rock forward, put LSU back on the map, not getting a lot of respect, even though they only got one loss that really lost to FSU at home against an explosive Tennessee team, all sorts of offense, not much defense. You wonder how that game plays out at Death Valley. That's a game I will have my eyes on. And then Alabama, you know, Bryce Young, what's going to happen? We just don't know. The sprained shoulder, uh, you saw Jameer Gibbs kind of explode over 200 yards rushing. He's moved his Heisman odds up a little bit on the outside looking in, right behind Stetson Bennett there, 5th or 6th. Stetson's odds at 18 to 1, and Gibbs are at 20 to 1. Um, so it would be interesting to watch Alabama A&M. Jimbo, you know, he's in trouble. You know, lost that game in Mississippi State decisively lost that game earlier to Appalachian State. You saw Mike Leach kind of rubbing in on Jimbo, saying, you know, well, i had heard all about their recruiting. Did not necessarily win gracefully. But, but Mike Leach is his own man. He does whatever he wants. But he kind of took a, a shot there at Jimbo Fisher and a and I thought that was very interesting uh, that Leach chose to put that out there. It shows you the sentiment of the league, the animosity that exists between these schools on the recruiting trail. Uh, this is a very competitive league. Nobody ever, uh, as uh, you know, coaches say, you never apologize for winning these road games. You never apologize for taking care of business because everybody, it's week to week to week. Uh, is the SEC uh, going to produce the national champion this year? I, I think the odds would still suggest that with Alabama and Georgia, but I do think we got to keep an eye on Ohio State. That program is getting better and better and better, and they have a much easier path to the college football playoff. I mean, part of the reason why Alabama and Georgia, so hard they play in the SEC where it's so doggone physical every week. I mean, we're sitting here thinking Missouri is one of the worst teams in the league, but on a given night at home under the lights, they can give you all sorts of trouble. I just don't think that depth exists in the Big Ten or anywhere else, and I think that's the flip side of being an SEC program. Yes, a lot of kids come because they want to play against the best and improve their chances for being drafted. Absolutely. But the flip side is these games are so doggone physical and competitive that there is more attrition and it's harder to manage your roster and keep guys healthy. I mean, you want to give a guy a rest, you can't afford to do it. It's going to get tougher and tougher and tougher for the Georgia Bulldogs. I expect Auburn to put up a good fight, as I did Missouri. But once again, this is a game the Bulldogs should win, in my estimation. Kirby Smart uh, understands what he's doing with this program. I think he's got a great football staff. Uh, Looking forward to this game. This Saturday at 3.30 p.m., also news today, Vanderbilt game, a 3.30 start. So uh, a comfortable window for the Georgia Bulldogs, certainly a big television window. Now, second half of the show, going to bring Jeremy Pruitt back, former SEC head coach, championship coordinator, and a guy that can provide a perspective on Kirby Smart in the league like no one else and the Georgia Bulldogs you know you got to remember he spent a couple of years in Athens he gets it he understands what's going on at Georgia as well as the SEC as well as anyone so I hope you guys enjoy second segment of the show with Jeremy Poor. right now I want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor Ingles every week they bring the show to you Um, Ingalls was there for us, certainly during the pandemic. We talk about it every week. This is one of those times in history and our lifetime that we're never going to forget how we got through it. Who was there for us? Ingalls was there for us. Ingalls continues to be there for you. Let's take this moment now and recognize our sponsor,
0: Ingalls. It's in our hearts to feel for. There's been ups and downs, turnarounds, some good days and some bad. But we stand together for worse and for better. We'll always have your back. and arms, heart to heart, hand
1: in hand. Community strong. Well, welcome back, everybody. And as promised, we've got Jeremy Pruitt with us now, former Tennessee head coach, former Alabama defensive coordinator. Florida State defensive coordinator, of course, Georgia defensive coordinator, and and coach, obviously, uh, we're hitting that midseason mark now in the season. I guess I would ask you a very broad-based questions on just your takeaway of the first half of the season, or early season, I should say, in the SEC.
0: Well, you're right, Mike. We're getting to that point where injuries start to mount a little bit. Teams are getting banged up, so you start to see the depth of uh, different teams. Um, some teams have more depth than others, and uh, there's a lot of luck that goes into this too. You know, you can have a lot of depth at certain positions, but the one position, maybe you don't have a lot of depth. You get somebody hurt, and it can it can be devastating for your team. Well, let's start out with a team that had a very
1: noticeable, uh, impactful injury. Bryce Young goes down uh, for Alabama against Arkansas. We saw the tide kind of shift the game plan a little bit, not wanting to put the ball in there. You've been there before. You lose a quarterback middle of the game. Tell me, how did Alabama escape that game after losing Bryce Young early, and what does that mean for the rest of the season now that Bama showed that they're still dangerous even without Bryce Young? Well,
0: you know, that that score was 28-0. to Bryce Young goes out. It's 28-23, to and Alabama's got a third and 15, and Arkansas has got a great call. They've got them covered. They've got a spy on the quarterback, and then the athleticism of uh, the quarterback at Alabama. takes the ball 77 yards uh, and kind of broke Arkansas's back there. Alabama gets a stop. They punt the football. Uh, A couple of plays later, uh, Jamar Gibbs, 77 yards for for a touchdown. Now it's back to a three-score game. So it it, kind of shows you that uh, Alabama's got really good playmakers. you know, at that position at quarterback, they, they lose a Heisman trophy winner and they've got somebody capable of, of um, taking the ball down and running 77 yards against an SEC defense, a good defense. Uh, So, you know, Alabama's got playmakers all over. They've probably got uh, more depth than, than most all the teams maybe outside of Georgia. Uh, So, you know, there there was a few things that showed up. Alabama had a mishap on the punt. They uh Arkansas recovered an onside kick. So special teams um is still probably a little bit of an issue there, but um they found a way to win on the road. You can't apologize for that in the SEC.
1: No, that's right. Alabama number one this week moved ahead of Georgia in the rankings. And it, it really doesn't matter who's one and two, as long as these teams keep winning. I guarantee their head coaches uh, don't have a concern. So Bama moves on without Bryce Young. Georgia moving on without their best defensive player. A projected top five pick in Jalen Carter. And really, Jalen hasn't really been completely healthy since that Oregon game. He's been limited by foot, ankle, now an MCL. Kirby says he's out one, two weeks. You know that he wants him back for that Florida game, Jeremy. Uh, What about the way the Bulldogs had to go on the road and win against Missouri? your thoughts and takeaways from that 22-6 to 22 victory in columbia saturday
0: night well i thought poise that's the first thing that i thought of is a uh, tough situation uh down 19 to 9 i think at one point in time not a lot of time left in the game it's easy to panic uh but georgia did what good teams do uh, they 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 put together uh one play after another executing Getting the ball to their playmakers, got stops on defense, and they they found a way to win. So that's a that's to me that's a really big character win in this league, uh, and you've got to have those.
1: Yeah, I remember uh, when we talked earlier this weekend about it. You said you said you know that there's really you know games like that give you an opportunity to grow. I think you said last week on the show you find out who you are. What are some of the things you think Kirby Smart learned about his football team, and what is the value? Uh, I know fans are complaining about a close win, but what's the value to a team to pull out a game on the road that you trail by 10 points in the fourth quarter?
0: Well, I think you look at uh, adjustments, uh, coaching adjustments. You know, obviously you work all week to put a plan together. You get two and a half quarters in, three quarters in. uh, Maybe the plan is not exactly what you, you know, it's it's not working as well as you thought. Uh, And being able to, to find a way to adjust. And I think that says a lot about Kirby and his staff uh, to be able to make adjustments as the game goes and the and the players execute it and find a way to win the last 16 minutes of the game.
1: One of the games we talked about last week that had a couple challengers, guys, teams with punchers, chances, and I think they still have that. Old Miss in Kentucky. And we saw Old Miss drive deep late in, or excuse me, Kentucky drive deep late into Old Miss territory couple of opportunities to win that game and Will Levis turns it over uh, a turnover on downs what's the takeaway from old Miss and Kentucky moving forward
0: well I, I think um you know you look at Kentucky that's the top games that Kentucky has been winning uh and finding a way to win these close games and um you know they they had the mishap there on the punt uh giving up a safety like you said turning the ball over missing the field goal uh possibly a bad snap in there. So they left some points out there on the board. I thought both teams defensively played really well. Um, you know, and because I think both of them have pretty good offenses. And I think both teams, especially Ole Miss, you know, it's, you know, Ole Miss is going to score points, but uh their defense continues to improve uh year after year. And I thought uh Saturday was one of their better performances. Yeah, no doubt. Old Miss and Lane Kiffin getting
1: it done with defense a lot. An influx of talent via the transfer portal. A game that I watched, a game that you know you called. You, you thought Auburn was going to win. And I'll tell you what, I was right there with you. They're up 17-0, 645 left in the second quarter with the ball. They got three times the yardage of LSU at that stage. I mean, Auburn's going to win that game if they don't beat themselves. And so doggone it if they didn't have a strip sack fumble for a touchdown for LSU that gave the Tigers momentum, the Auburn, or excuse me, the LSU Tigers, uh, your thoughts on that game between LSU and Auburn. I mean, the, the statistical takeaway for me, Jeremy, I heard this, out, I just couldn't believe it in all five of Auburn's last sec losses, they've led by double digits at some point. Um, what are your thoughts about Brian Harson and Auburn moving forward now?
0: Well, just looking at, um, uh... Like you said, the last four or five games, uh, Auburn has struggled to score in the second half in the SEC contest. Um, They got off to a hot start. uh, But if you look Saturday, I don't know the exact numbers, but I believe I saw the ball on the ground for Auburn six times on offense and and through two interceptions. Uh, Just too many negative plays to finish out drives. They had chances to put the game away. Uh, the crowd was into it. It's a tough place to play. The defense was playing well, uh, but they instead of finding a way to win, and that's a lot of times what happens in Jordan-Hare at night, uh, they found a way not to win, uh, which is very uncharacteristic.
1: Well, Believe me, I thought about what you were saying. When
0: they were dominating
1: earlier, I said, how in the world did he know that Auburn was going to come out and play like this? I want to look ahead to next week's games. A lot of separation Saturday games next week. The other team, the Bayou Bengals, Brian Kelly, they, they continue to five ways to win. As you said, a 4-1 to one turnover ratio advantage for LSU. It really is as simple as that. You can't have a minus 4-1 and win. They play at home against Tennessee, Coach. This is a really big game to me. Two more teams fighting to stay in contention. How do you see this game shaking out down there at Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge?
0: Well, I believe Tennessee got a huge advantage uh, at the time of kickoff. I think it's 11 or 12 o'clock kickoff. You and I both know that stadium's totally different at 11 as opposed to 7. So that's a huge advantage to Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee practices in the mornings uh, with with Josh Heichel. So I think this is a huge advantage to them uh, going on the road in the SEC. They've been off this week. They've had a chance to maybe get some guys healed up. So... I look for Tennessee to dominate this game. I really do. I just don't feel like LSU can score enough points to stay with them. Uh, for for that not to happen, I believe that Tennessee would have to turn the ball over, have several mishaps in special teams.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. That LSU team I saw was not as explosive early on against Auburn as I thought they might want to be. Before we talk about George again, I want to ask you, Texas A&M at Alabama, and, and how about this, just to let everybody know how crazy the season is, I would have bet my bottom dollar that the game day set would have been set up there in Tuscaloosa for Texas A&M Alabama after all the offseason fireworks. Instead, of, I think it's at TCU at Kansas. So, you know, just craziness there. I'm sure Jimbo Fisher is just fine with less attention being on this game. But, uh, Coach, I got to think this is a really big game for Jimbo Fisher and the eggs if they don't win to at least be competitive. Uh, what are your thoughts about the A&M Alabama game in Tuscaloosa?
0: Well, it's it, you kind of go to that theory we talked about last week when you have three tough games in a row and the third one's on the road. Uh, happened to Texas A&M at, at Mississippi State last week. So now we've got a fourth one on the road, which is a tough one in the SEC slate, and it's Alabama. Uh, I think Alabama runs away with this one.
1: You know, I don't think we've asked you about it on the show, so I'm going to ask you about the Jimbo Nick thing, and it's it's way over with. It was overblown in the summer. They had a very public verbal exchange. Coach Saban with some some commentary about Texas A&M recruiting, and Jimbo firing back. Uh, you know, kind of taking a swipe at Coach Saban's legend. Um, you know, you you've coached with both of these guys. I'm sure you, you've probably seen and heard exchanges like this all the time. There just weren't cameras out there, right?
0: right well it, listen in in this league college football a lot of people have worked with a lot of people everybody's very competitive they're passionate about the schools that they work for uh, they're passionate about the jobs that they have and and who they represent uh, so um, both of them defending their universities uh, and having passion about it uh, that's not uncommon um, you know, maybe in the public spectrum, for the first time, some people kind of got to see that. But uh, those two have been in wars together uh, a long time, and I'm sure the respect that they have for each other—I'm uh, it, it, sure they they get along just fine. And
1: you've you've been
0: uh, you've been around
1: Coach Saban. You've seen Kirby around. So when you're the assistant coach, and this is a different Nick Saban question, and we see one of those famous Saban rants how does it feel? What do you do? Cause, cause you've been there. We know Kirby's been there. I think most everybody that's coached for coach Saban. I mean, what is your job as an assistant then when coach Saban's bringing that sort of fire and passion in your direction?
0: Well, you know, I can't speak for the other guys, but I just know for myself, uh, I loved working for Nick. Um, you know, everybody's role in the organizations defined, uh, you can respect that. Uh, you have a job to do that's defined, and the number one thing when you walk in the building is do your job. Uh, and you know, as a leader of men, uh, if you're not doing your job as a leader of the organization, you have to confront people. If you don't, they're going to continue to make the same mistakes. So, um, like I said, I love working for Coach Saban. Uh, everything was defined, uh, and I and I appreciated his fire and passion uh, for the university that he represented i got
1: to ask you, you also played for Gene Stallings and were around Alabama then. Are there some similarities? Because we always, we always saw, you know, Coach Stallings, uh, you know, wearing his uh, sport coat on the sideline, looking all defined and dignified. I know I was in a few of those practices where I heard a different tone of voice. Uh, was there some similarities there?
0: Yeah, Coach, Coach Stallings, he, he had a lot of fire about him. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, it's interesting because I kind of look at, like, Coach Stallings and Coach Rick. Uh both of these guys, the way they're represented, just wonderful men. But let me tell you, both of them are ultimate competitors, uh, fiery and 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 tough now. Uh the practices that they had were very tough and competitive.
1: Yeah. In fact, you told me Coach Rick was actually one of your uh, uh allies when you were getting your head coaching job. You always wonder how does that work? You know, when you hear, you know, Jeremy Pruitt and you know, Mel Tucker, head coaching candidates there for the University of Tennessee. And Coach Fulmer talks to a lot of different people, and and you got a pretty nice uh, recommendation from Coach Rick that had to make you feel pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no doubt about it. Now, Georgia, Kirby Smart, this week, dogs trying to get back on track. As you said, never apologize for a road win, but 26-22 was not what a lot of people thought it would be. Here comes Auburn, 3.30 p.m. game at Sanford Stadium. What sorts of things would you imagine that Kirby Smart is saying in his football building And how do you think we might see Georgia respond?
0: Well, one thing about Kirby, Kirby's a Georgia Bulldog through and through. So he grew up uh, with this rivalry (laughs) against Auburn. I guarantee you that. So over the years, you can see him coaching the game. There's a little more fire about him uh, when Georgia and and Auburn kick off. So um, they'll go back this week. No, No different if they had a one- 50 to six this past week. They're gonna go back and coach and address the issues that they had, correct them, uh, coach them up, move forward. uh, And you'll again, you'll see uh, Georgia will continue to progress, I believe, this season because of their coaching staff, the leadership, and they've got good players. Uh, So I I look for them to have a really good game plan against uh, Auburn. I think you'll see a lot of fire within the team and and, and within that stadium. It's gonna be tough on the Auburn Tigers.
1: I was gonna ask you about that. You you've coached so many different places, you know, Florida State, Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, visiting coach, home coach. Sanford Stadium. We talked about it last week. What makes a few different stadiums unique? What, what were your thoughts coaching in Sanford Stadium? What's that game day like? And um, and how much of an advantage made compared to other places is Sanford Stadium on a game day?
0: Well, this is it's as good a good as atmosphere as you'll find anywhere in the country. Uh the passion for Uh, Georgia football, the, I guess, hungriness, Uh, you know, Georgia has has been really good for a long time. And until this past year, finally got there, got over the top and won the national championship. But I can tell you, just working with the head football coach at the University of Georgia, this guy's relentless. He's not going to let up. Uh, and and that the the 2021 season's over with. He's looking. He's not looking in the rearview mirror. He's looking straight ahead. So I guarantee you, uh, today in Athens, Georgia, they're going to improve as a football team, and they're going to be ready this Saturday. No doubt
1: about it. And you were right, Jeremy. Uh, Coach Smart earlier today saying he was looking for this, looking forward to this game personally. Reflecting on when he played, he doesn't do that often but he made it very clear that a lot of passion for this game. I want to thank coach Pruitt for joining us and great insights into the league games uh, around the sec into the Georgia Bulldogs and what we're going to see on Saturday, um, 3 PM against Auburn. Of course, they announced the game time for Vanderbilt. It's going to be another 3:30 PM afternoon game, a lot of exposure for the Georgia Bulldogs. The next couple of weeks as they look to climb back to number one, but in Kirby smarts vision, improve every single game want to thank everybody for joining us remember tomorrow every day dog nation daily 10 a.m wednesday night jeff Santel, and then friday night we make our go with the flow pigs thanks everybody we'll see you later this week